Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, a woman makes an important plea to take care of something that may affect her in the afterlife. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Yes, it is. And 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. You can write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person. An EPP, as we call them, at uh, ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash realghoststories. Get all of our episodes, bonus episodes, advanced episodes, the archive, ebook, audiobook, it's all there. And you're supporting us and keeping us on the air. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash realghoststories. Tony and Todd with you on today's episode of the program. What's going on? Hey, man, I, I wanted to uh, ask you a question because it's something that came up in my mind mm-hmm. over the weekend. And, and that is... Uh, when you think about hauntings and stuff like that, when you think about ghosts, yeah, I, I think a lot of times like older buildings, older neighborhoods, older cities seem to be a little bit more haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go back to like England and stuff like that way before, uh, you know, the Europeans ended up in the United States. Mm-hmm. Those those places seem like genuinely like crazy haunted. They do. And then, and then, same in the United States, where the East Coast seems to have more hauntings than maybe the West Coast to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. What about all the, you know, like Native Americans who are here and all that kind of stuff? We, I never hear like a lot of hauntings based on stories with with that. In terms of like, in in terms of age, or are you just saying you don't hear many Native American ghost stories? I just yeah I don't hear a lot of Native American ghost stories. Oh, um, I think I, I mean, don't know. I, do, I, I go ahead. I was just gonna say I think sometimes you hear stories about things going on and there's a lot of speculation that it could go back mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to things that have happened on the land and stuff like that. But okay, I I don't know. I just I it's always the woman in the white dress. It's never necessarily you know uh, anything else. Yeah, I mean yeah, you're right. I mean there's there's a couple ways of looking at that. You don't hear a lot of it. Um, it's either like, oh my gosh, it's evil, um, you know, and it's because it's on a Native American burial ground and how the the two come together, I don't know. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, and in terms of like just the perspective and the volume, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it was, you know, if it has something to do with the way they live their lives and the, the belief system yeah. that they had in spirits and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or if... Or if because uh, of our, our background and stuff like that, we never think to think back that far when we're telling our ghost stories. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's jump over to our first letter of the day. It says, hey, Tony and everyone, this is Colleen from International Falls writing you again. A couple of years ago, I wrote you the story of how close my mother and I were. We got each other through the loss of all three of my older siblings, as well as my dad, stepdad, and nephew, and my husband. 
The story I sent was about me receiving a phone call on my iPad from my mom at 2.30 a.m. on Mother's Day, a year after she died. Well, I'd asked your opinion as to whether it was supernatural or empathic. I now have another story. When my mother was dying, she asked an older friend of mine who has both feet on the ground and is just a good person, when I'm gone, will you please take care of Colleen because she's going to be alone? Lady said, of course I will. She stepped up to the plate and became my mom. We've gotten awfully close as well. We're close to begin with and had been family friends for years. Ironically, my husband and son built a wheelchair ramp onto her house for her husband that was only used once when he died, seven months before my husband died. On her house, she and her husband built it with their own hands 42 years ago and had lived there ever since. They were both overly attached to it. It was where they raised their three boys. Now, after her husband died, she had her husband cremated and kept his urn or box on the floor next to her bed. She had me taking care of her home during her frequent trips away. And one of these times was about a year ago. She asked me to go into her bedroom and look into her five jewelry boxes for a certain ring that she planned to wear on an upcoming trip. I was standing in the bedroom facing the long, low dresser looking in the jewelry boxes. Approximately eight feet behind me and five feet to the right was a tall dresser. And on that dresser were two antique oil lamps and five extra chimneys for the lamps. I was on the phone asking this woman where else I could look for the ring because I was not finding it. When I heard a strange noise behind me, I turned around in time to see one of the extra chimneys lift about a foot off the ground, fly horizontally about four feet, and then drop five feet to the floor. Tony, those chimneys are paper-thin glass, and there's no way they should, this should have happened. The windows were closed. There was nothing blowing or rattling the house. It's very solid. Everything was quiet. After I got over my shock, I told Helen what happened, and she said, put me on speakerphone. I did, and she yelled her husband's name and said, I want her to find my ring. Leave her alone. But five months after that incident, Helen called me all excited one night. She said, do you remember the incident with the oil lamp? It just happened to me, too. Same exact thing. And again, nothing damaged. It's now necessary for Helen to sell her house and move due to illness. Helen spent the first day with the movers, but then on to the second day, she left to make the 300-mile trip to her new home, leaving me with the movers and a cleaning lady. One point, I walked into the living room just in time to see the big industrial roll of shrink wrap. Movers wrapped everything in blankets, and they shrink wrapped them. Fly off the fireplace, heart. The flute was was closed, and across the living room, about six feet. No one else was in that room, and the doors and windows were all closed. Plus, those big rolls of shrink wrap are heavy. Maybe he was just making a statement about being moved out of his home. I don't know what else to think. The way my mind works is to first try to debunk something and think of any logical reason. But I guess I have to say, okay, so whatever energy we become after we die, maybe we can come back and mess with people. Sorry this is so long, but I wanted to first remind you who I was and second, give you the backstory in this house that I did not just jump to conclusions. I tried the rule of logic out first. Hope you have a good day and please say hi to Harper for me. She's awesome and I love listening to her too. She's adorable. I was an EPP and hope to be an EPP again as soon as my budget allows. Interesting story there of things moving around in the house and kind of letting you know that they're there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, crazy. And and it it almost does sound like um, the woman's husband is is trying to communicate. Now, you would think if you had, if you were a ghost or an energy 
and you had the ability, the knowledge, and the power mm-hmm. to do those types of things, all the other things you could do on a daily basis to yeah. communicate. Yeah. You know, I'd be I'd be interested in knowing if there's any significance in the days of the week or the days of the month that these things happened, if it was on a specific day or a specific moon cycle or something like that, where mm-hmm. the energy the ghost only had the ability to do those kind of things on certain days of the month or something like that. You know, do you think that, that always interests me? Do you think that that is a common thing? You know, because they'll they'll say you know certain you know uh, you know days of the year and things like that are are more uh, you know haunted than others. And I know that probably just goes you know far back to you know different belief systems and such. I don't know if there's a real scientific look at that where hauntings are statistically up on those days but but do you think that that you know if there were a way to track that that we would we would see things like that and cycles like that of when things are being reported and and could almost map that out i think so and i think things like the the moon cycles and all that kind of stuff have a lot of play into what goes on around us on a daily basis you know who whoever thought that the 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 waters on earth would have anything to do with the moon cycle as far as their their ebbs and their tides and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um but the other thing, too, is I think that maybe there's a residual energy that does certain things certain days of the year. You know, mm-hmm. and if you track that stuff, I'm just always interested in, in knowing the next step. What else can we find out about this story other than what we already know? So. Sure. Sure. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to contemplate. 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go to our uh, next letter, it says, hey, guys, I have been listening for two years, and what I've experienced last week was beyond weird. I'm currently in the Philippines with my family on a supposed vacation, but due to the pandemic and how it hit the U.S., I decided to stay here till everything goes back to normal. Being born a Filipino, uh, being born a Filipino, a dad, I was able to attain a Philippine passport for me and my family. We mainly stayed in our family vacation home near the Pacific Ocean Beach. My company in the U.S. allowed me to work remotely for almost a year, and everything went well. Nothing beats doing your job beside a beautiful beach and island chain. It was until a typhoon hit our vacation home in almost the area. It caused significant damage, and we decided to move to my dad's ancestral house 20 miles away. It was an old Spanish-themed house built near a river. Though old, it was well-maintained, very well-maintained house, and for the first month of staying there, we did not really experience anything. It was until last week when my aunt, who looked after the house for over a decade, went away to visit her son. The first event took place about three in the afternoon. Our two golden retrievers were playing near the river when they started barking. I went out to see who or what they were barking at. It saw at the river's edge, and they're barking at something in the middle of the river. There's no one there, and across the river was a small island with a couple of trees. They're barking and looking at something as if it's moving across the river to our house. I went a little closer to them to see if they're if they are after a small bug or something, but I saw nothing as they follow this invisible thing moving across the river to our yard and to our back door. Other than me seeing nothing, I ruled out bugs. Both Stinger and Striker have a share of bee stings in the past, and they've avoided small flying bugs ever since. The dogs stopped barking when they felt this thing went to our back wall. The night after that, we started feeling different inside the house started to feel cold and gloomy inside. The Philippines is an all-year-round summer country, and unless we use air conditioning, you'd not feel that January New England-like chill. Last Monday, my wife was making dinner in the kitchen when she heard a loud bang from the kitchen door. The door was connected to the yard near the river. We looked everywhere outside but could not find anyone or anything. 
It's also worth noting the closet neighbor, the closest neighbor, was half a mile away. A couple days later, while working upstairs, I had to rush downstairs from a shriek. It was my seven-year-old daughter. When I asked her why, she said she saw a white, pale hand between the gap of the partially open front door. At this point, we were freaking out and frantically trying to contact my aunt. She was shocked and awe. At that, she said she knew that some unexplained things are lurking around the compound. That's why she laid out protection prayers and sage before she left. We already made plans to go back to our beachfront house next week as it's completely been renovated. We experienced another event, event last night, though. The kids no longer want to sleep in their room, so we decided to sleep together in the master bedroom. That bedroom was right above that kitchen. Since I work for my, my American company, I must work at night to follow U.S. hours. It was about 2.30 a.m. when I heard faint conversation down in the kitchen. I cannot make out the language, but it does sound East Asian. I went downstairs to see, and to no surprise, no one was there. The next morning, my aunt arrived and shared a little secret. She said the ground beside the house was a former Japanese camp, and the house was their local headquarters during the war. Believing in the paranormal, they said they did all kinds of sages, protection, prayers, rituals to rid all of the entities around. How and why it got through us is still a puzzle. Could it be our Western origin and mindset? I don't know. That day we moved back to the comfort of our beach and vacation place. It's interesting to think that for almost a year we avoided the horror of COVID, but not the paranormal that I enjoyed listening about in your program. Thanks for this podcast. It really helped me avoid the anxiety of not seeing my usual world. You guys... Stay safe out there. What's your thoughts on that one? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. And and I think the fact that um, the woman went away and then all of a sudden this stuff kind of uh, creeped into their daily life. I just wonder if, you know, even if the protections are there, maybe her abilities and her energy helped keep that stuff at bay when she was gone. Without their knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they were unarmed uh, or armed properly to keep that stuff at bay so i think that's interesting yeah i i wonder if there's more to the story that the aunt wasn't really just gonna i mean that's pretty descriptive as to what happened but i wonder if she's had more things happen to her there that she just really hasn't talked about it seems to me like she knew what had happened in that uh, location in Mm -hmm. previous years probably didn't share it because things were at bay yeah and maybe never even realized that her the lack of her presence in that home would possibly let this stuff come in. Now, the dog's barking at the river and something coming in from the river. Mm-hmm. That's really strange, but who knows? Well, it's, it's interesting to think about it. You know, if you're putting out things of protection and things of that nature, does it only work for the person that put them out? I mean, if you went to someone's home and did something like that for them, does that would that not be effective? Does it have to be a correlation between the belief system of the person who's putting them out and is, you know, in that 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 area? Or, or can anybody put them out? Or is it very, are those protection things very personal in terms of who it will protect, not just having the, the sage over here or over there? Right. Well, perfect, perfect question. And, and, I, and I guess I was alluding to that as well. Like if she's gone, everything she's done to protect, if they're unaware of it, yeah. if they're unaware of the situation and also the protection that's put in place, does the protection mean anything at all? Yeah. That's that's a very interesting question. I haven't really yeah. thought about that. Yeah. 
855-853-4802 is our phone number. At Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, let's hear your story. Hey, I haven't seen you today, but I bet you're looking good. <laughs> I remember um, I remember Carol said to say that if I called back. Um, hi, it's me, Tyler, again. I've been calling a couple times just uh, a couple minutes ago, but my phone kind of cut out. It was having some issues, so sorry about that. Hopefully this call goes better. Um so I I have a story for you guys tonight, and I think this is a really, really creepy one. So I'll try and make it, you know, as simple to understand as possible, because I know with me, when I try to tell stories, I can kind of go on and on sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I'll try and make it as simple as possible to kind of get the picture of what's going on in this story. So basically, there's this beach I go to uh, a lot in the summer, it's called Port Elgin, and it's it's a beach in um, Saugeen Shores, Ontario. So it's um, it's on the Great Lakes, and you know Port Elgin's a really nice place. It's it's a really nice beach. The town has a lot of nice stuff, and I just go there a lot. And I I like to go to the beach, just hang out, you know. And I always love watching, you know, the water, just looking out into the water and and just watching it because it's so like vast and it goes out so far. And um, as you know, there's a lot of drownings in big lakes and oceans. And um, unfortunately, there's a lot of drownings that I, I hear about that happen in the Great Lakes, not necessarily all at one beach, like they happen all over. And, you know, unfortunately, they happen. But I was uh, there just a couple of days ago, and apparently there had been a drowning exactly one week before from when I was there. So the drowning happened on a Monday, I believe. And I was there exactly one week after on a Monday. And by the way, for the story, I had no idea there was a drowning um, at that beach until I got home from the beach. So basically everything I'm going to talk about that happened at the beach at that time, I had no idea about the drowning that happened a week earlier. So um, just to kind of give some context there. But basically, it was around sunset. I think just a little after sunset, it was a really hazy day out. There was a lot of um, just kind of like haze in the air, I believe from wildfires, I think up north or something, there was haze coming through the air. So it was pretty hazy out, not too foggy. You could still see pretty far out, but it was just kind of hazy up in the air. So the sun, you didn't really see it when it went down um, at sunset, but it was pretty much dusk outside and I'm standing on the beach. And at that time, there's not too many people there, you know, just a few people um, maybe playing right, right in the kind of the start of the water where you walk in some people playing in the water, there, like kids and stuff. Um, and some people sitting on the beach, but it's pretty much deserted at that time. It's not as busy as it is in the day um, at sunset, at least not on that day when I was there. And I was, just standing there, right? I'm just talking to someone. Um, and I look out in the water as I usually do. And I just, you know, looked out, to see if there's any boats out there or anything. And something caught my eye in the water really far out. And I, I was like, okay, what's that? And I look closer. And I noticed what looks like someone swimming out in the water. And that's not uh, out of the ordinary if you're not too far out. But this person was way past the buoy lines, and the buoy lines they have are already really far out. Um, so I was thinking, okay, why is this guy swimming by himself? I think it was a guy. Uh, why are they swimming by themselves? 
you know, it's like getting dark out. They're out there by themselves. It doesn't look like they have a life jacket on. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? Like, you know, I just, I kind of worry about people like that. I'm like, why is he doing that? Um, but then I thought maybe he does this all the time. He's just going for a swim before he goes back to the cottage for the night or something. You know, it didn't really, it didn't really make me feel um, scared that something was wrong in any way in that moment. Um, other than the fact that I was kind of wondering why is he doing that, you know, just kind of out there by himself. But other than that, nothing much that I thought was wrong with the situation or that I thought was out of place because even though I've never really seen someone that far out swimming any time of the day, especially without a life jacket, um, I just kind of thought maybe he does this all the time and, you know, maybe, maybe it's okay. So then I look away for a minute and I kind of look, I forget where I looked. I think I looked the other way and I looked back a minute later and the guy's gone. He's not out there. He, and, and, and this is a big, uh, this is a big shoreline. You know, he was not just a quick 30 second swim back to the shore. He was like a good five, 10 minute swim out there. Like he was really, really far out. Um, maybe it would only take him five minutes to get back, but still, I, I only looked away for a minute or two. So I looked back and he's not there and he would not have made it all the way to the other side of the shoreline. Um, by that time, you know, from the time I was looking away to when I looked back, he would not have made it out of the water. Um, by that time, I don't think he would have just because it's so big there, like the water's huge. So I'm kind of wondering, where did this guy go? And I'm, I'm just looking around and I'm like, okay, maybe he came in, you know, maybe, maybe he's back already. And I thought nothing of it. And then I'm looking around again, like just in the water, you know, just because I, I like to look out in the water and see what I can see. And on one of the buoys, and again, as I mentioned, these buoys are really far out. On one of the buoys, it looked like there was someone um, like limp or something, like they weren't moving. It almost looked like someone, I don't know if they washed up against it or something, if that kind of makes sense, uh, that kind of um, situation where they're not really moving but they're just kind of there and I it looked like someone I wasn't sure what it was just because it was so far out I even took my phone um, and zoomed in and I still couldn't figure it out because it was just so far out and at that time it was kind of getting darker out so I was like okay I don't know what this is and then it kind of hit me that like is that a person I was thinking is that is that a person Cause at first I thought it might have been but then I thought it might not be just because I wasn't sure what was floating up next to the buoys there and then eventually I just kind of thought okay it's probably nothing because it was just there and it, it wasn't moving and I just thought okay it's probably fine um, and I wasn't sure if it was there when the guy I saw was swimming because he was swimming kind of in a different area so I wasn't sure if what I saw on the buoy was there when I saw the guy swimming or if this was the same person that maybe moved over to the buoy, but it just seemed kind of weird because whatever was floating on that kind of beside that buoy, um, it was there for like a solid 10, 20 minutes because we packed up our stuff and it was still there. So I was like, what is that? Guess it's nothing. And we just left. And then I get home and I, I just kind of looked up, was there any drownings at Port Elgin Beach? because I was kind of curious, right, if anything had happened um, that day, because I saw that guy swimming, and he, he wasn't in the water anymore when I looked back, so I'm thinking, did someone drown? And I look it up, and it turns out, uh, I believe a 30- or 31-year-old man died while paddle boarding at that beach 
exactly a week prior to when I was there. Um, I'm not sure exactly what time they drowned, but it, I think it might have been in the afternoon or at night. I'm not too sure, though. But basically, it was a 31-year-old man, I believe, that um, that died. He was not wearing a life jacket when he drowned. And it kind of hit me at that point. Was the guy that I saw swimming really far out, was that the spirit of the guy who drowned? And, you know, it just it still kind of scares me to think about that because... I have never seen someone swimming that far out that I can remember. You know, I've never seen that at that beach. It's just so far out where they were, especially without a life jacket. And the guy kind of looked like maybe he would be about the age of the guy who drowned, right? So, and he was so far out, I couldn't tell the guy's age, but he just kind of looked like maybe he would be the guy, like the spirit of the guy who drowned. I have no idea. But what I saw was scary now that I think back and, um, I, I I just don't know what to make of it. So I hope you guys have something to say about that. I mean, I have no idea what I saw, um, but it kind of scares me to think that it might have been the spirit of the person who had drowned. So I have no idea, but it just kind of scares me to think about that, that it might be them. So I hope you guys uh, like the story. And if I have any more, I'll definitely call back. Thanks for doing what you do, guys. And I will always listen to your show. Um, I love your show. You guys are the best. Hope you have a good one. And thanks so much for listening. All right. Have a nice day. Our most thorough storyteller <laughs> right there. Yes. What do you think of um, uh, of that uh, that possibility that that, you know, it, weird to see the guy way out there and matches the description kind of in that time window of recently to when it happened? Thoughts? Have you ever have you ever um, heard the philosophy that some people when they die their energy gets caught in their death state and they relive that over and over and over? Are they reliving it or is it just like the residual energy that's just like imprinting on the you know is it like is it a conscious thing? I think I think it could be one or the other. I think okay. it could be residual, which we've talked a yeah. lot about that on on the podcast. But I also wonder about. The death state. If your death yeah. was that traumatic, God. does your energy actually have to go through that over and over and over and over until somehow it's released? I don't know, but it sounds like either residual possibility yeah. or it sounds like maybe this death state, which I have read about yeah. um, and I don't necessarily have a thought myself on it. I haven't read about it, but I think the easier thing to go to uh, just in a humanistic standpoint is, oh, it's residual. It has to be residual because no one wants to think that that you could end up in that death state and keep reliving probably the worst moments, most possibly painful moments of your life over and over and over, you know, not to say that that's not what it is. And that's not, that couldn't be the right answer. I just think a lot of us are just like, nope, it's residual. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, like residual, that's our terminology for yeah. what we think we're experiencing when we see yeah. uh, energy and all that kind of stuff happen over and over and over in the same way. Mm-hmm. We don't really know that. I mean, we don't know it from the energy's point of view. We don't yeah. know it from the, the former human being's point of view. So yeah. maybe they do. Maybe their energy does relive those things over and over yeah. and over, too. We don't know. That, that You're exactly right. We, we don't know. We just kind of assume because it's repeating right. that, well, they can't be conscious. Well, I mean. Have you had the same dream over and over and over in your life? Well, mm-hmm. you're alive. Uh, who's to say that that's not part of what, you know, I, I wonder about a lot of that. I almost I wonder so often, I'm like, 
how much is death like this really weird dream state, you know, where it's just kind of things, it's energy, it's, it's this process of this and that. And sometimes it's repeating. I, you know, I don't know. I I wonder how much of it, it, it kind of has that feel to it. Yeah. I mean, this is a good story and it just, again, raises more questions than answers in the long run, but it really starts to make me question what we quote unquote know from our side of hauntings and ghosts and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. How much is true or is it just our interpretation of what's really going on? Yeah, exactly. That's that's you know, that's the million dollar question. Uh, 855-853-4802. One more quick call here. Hi, let's hear your story. Hi, uh, my name is Brittany. I live in Derby, Kansas, and I do have a story about a Ouija board. Um, me and my sister and my cousin were in the Marriott Hotel in Wichita, Kansas, um, probably back in 2000. And we were trying to contact um, Elvis Presley. Um, we all had our hands on the Ouija board and, you know, contacting him. And I can't remember if anything was moving or not, trying to spell out words, you know, like on the Ouija board, how you do it. Um, but my sister all of a sudden started screaming and crying. Um, and so my cousin actually like jumped up and turned the light on real quick. And my sister was in absolute tears. She had, um, a pinch mark on her neck. It was purple and red and she was in tears. Um, and I remember that day, I mean, like it was yesterday, it was so scary um, and all I know is we asked each other, did you do that? Did you do that? Did you do that? Nobody, you know, did it. We all remember our hands being on the board and I just remember her being, um, so scared and it was just so real. And so we believe that we, um, did not contact Elvis Presley, obviously, um, contacted somebody that was not very happy. Um, and yeah, that's my story. But what if it was Elvis? That is the big question. Well, here's the thing. If they don't think it was Elvis, uh, maybe it was somebody uh, trying to be him. Uh, I mean, we all know Conway Twitty's dead. He tried the Elvis thing early on in his career. Uh, Glenn Campbell's gone. Uh, he had a thing for Elvis as well. And B.J. Thomas, I mean, come on. They're all, they're all dead. It could have been any one of them. The, uh, the options are open. And the thing, and Wichita, you know, that's an interesting town because I, there would have been a lot, probably quite a few of those, uh, the country uh, era artists that would have stayed in that hotel uh, towards the end of their careers because that was an older building. It still is an older building, if I remember right. I, it's probably 70s-ish, you know, for a hotel. And it's, um, so it, it would have been around. Uh, the possibility, quite honestly, of some of those people have, having stayed there is quite high. I I actually had a conversation today with a friend at work, and I and she brought up the Ouija board, and I said, "There's never a story that ends good when the two words Ouija board come up ever." I said, "So if you've got a ghost story and it says Ouija board in it, mm -hmm. just just know the the outcome's never going to be great." I've had like two in the course of uh, all these years that were good. <laughs> Really? Two. That's it. Yes. It was it was just a very simple conversation. I believe it, like one was like a, they were trying to communicate with a loved one and they got a very sensible response. I think it even like gave them some message of something that only they would have known like 
safe code or something. It was something right. specific. Um, and I don't remember what the other one was, but I remember there was two <laughs> in <laughs> eight or nine years of doing this thing that were positive Ouija board stories. And that, that the latest one, but before it had just been one, but up until about, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, we have two now. So... <laughs> That, that's wonderful. I yeah. just love it when it goes, well, this one time we yeah. had a Ouija board. Yeah. And I guess what we should start doing now is betting on whether or not it's going to be a good outcome or a bad yeah. outcome. I think you the odds are in your favor of them being bad. I think so. <laughs> Without a doubt. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air. Become an extra podcast person in EPP. Sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Get advanced access to all of our episodes the archive, all of it. It's there for your EPP bonus episodes as well. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash Stories. Until next time, for Todd, I'm Tony. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>